Hello, Kinderline. Hello, everybody. Uh, it's me, Logan. We have a very, very special guest with us today. Um, oh, and Sean, as always. Yep, I'm um, still here. Yep. <laughs> I, I had to check. <laughs> you haven't you haven't run off yet. <laughs> so we have uh, we have our friend, our very good friend, uh, Reese Jones, with us today. Howdy, friends. Where's we're not uh, just gaming on Discord. We're no, doing, no, no. Now I have to be <laughs> smart. So Reese is somebody who he uh, studied with us in Austria. We all kind of met around the same time. I met Logan a little bit before, but we just had a class together. But we all were on the same exchange program for a few months in Austria together in Salzburg. And we lived in the same, pretty much the same vicinity. We lived in the same building together. We went to the same classes. And after the program had ended though, Reese was the one who ended up actually staying in Europe and he moved to Leipzig, Germany to live and studied history. And since then is in Columbus with me and yeah, it's good. Reese, how are you doing today? I'm very well. Um, I'm just here hanging out in my apartment, um, with my cat doing my thing per usual being a nerd, studying history, um, <laughs> and annoying people, but in a way that is fun. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. So what I did is I I asked Reese to go ahead and gather some historic stories or things that he like his favorite stories or just anything anything really to talk about um, and dive into. I wanted to talk a little bit first about. Reese, your experience maybe in in Leipzig and uh, in, in Germany. In 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 context of, of the hostel and, and talking about traveling, what was the biggest takeaway? So so you and I we did a few months in, in Austria and then you went and you had a completely different experience in Germany. It was a longer experience, it was a different program. You were actually at the school in Leipzig. What was the biggest difference? Do you think about uh, biggest takeaway between the two programs? Um, one thing that I will say that was a noticeable difference from the start was um, when we studied together in Salzburg, we studied as a group of students that was about, uh, what was it, 19 of us, I think? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And so there were 19 American students. All of us were from Ohio University. All of us were mostly culturally midwestern so we had the same dialects same accents we reasonably understood each other and our humor and our like way of life and we were all yeah. like pretty culturally similar similar um but with leipzig it was a little bit different because i wasn't in a ohio university program like in salzburg i was in the university of leipzig courses so i was studying there um enrolled in their program under their courses um, in mostly German speaking classes, not like most of the um, discussions and the students and assignments and everything was in German rather than 
um, our program, which was mostly German with some English. Um, and it was our program was formed mostly around learning the language and studying culture, whereas the Leipzig program was not designed for, you know, American students to learn about German language and culture, but it was like just straight up history for like for mm, German yeah. students. Right. Um, so it was a little bit more intense and hands on. And honestly, <laughs> I'm glad that the German education system and like European education system is as forgiving and open as it is because I'm not facing a mountain of debt going there and making a mistake, not a mistake, but what <laughs> basically the path that I've gone down in my life um, is a lot more forgiving than if I were to do that in the United States because kind of what I did was I studied my history courses over there for um, two semesters. So their semesters are also different. They have um, winter and summer instead of fall and spring. Um, so I studied for a full year and then came back from that program and then just didn't turn any of my course credits into Ohio University because um, I was just so tired of both the German bureaucracy and the bureaucracy within Ohio University, I straight up didn't want to deal with, like, dealing with any of the financial aid people or any of the professors to, like, transfer those credits. So I just, like, didn't do it because, not just because of that, but also when I came back from Leipzig was um, the fall and spring of 2018, 2019 to 2020, um, that was COVID when we were about to graduate. Mm -hmm. That was right mm -hmm. when COVID hit. So I was pretty depressed and just like didn't care about school anyway. So that's also a reason why I didn't turn in any of my course credits. But for me, the experience I gain from being an American alone in a very multicultural community in Leipzig all of my friends were from all around different European countries. I had friends from France, Lithuania, England. Um, I had uh, one other American friend who was from um, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. God, I'm so Midwestern, I can't. <laughs> I can't even say it right. But um, Baton Rouge. Yeah. Um, other friends I had. Um, some of my like early friends I had in some of my other courses, like history courses, I had like Finnish friends and Czech friends and Polish friends and Russian friends. And um, it's like people in Spanish friends, Portuguese friends. My roommates were from Morocco and um, one of them was one of my roommates was uh, actually stateless and he was half German and half Japanese and he just didn't have... Um, citizenship because of <laughs> Japanese bureaucracy and German bureaucracy being oh really shitty. And so he's it's a perfect just, storm. He's just <laughs> yeah. Basically, the reason he's stateless is because he did a study abroad, like me, to Portugal for a semester. But because he didn't live in Germany under the law at the time when I, we were living there under the situation, he didn't live in Germany for eight consecutive years. And so they said, "Oh, doesn't count. Now you're stateless." Because he was apparently <laughs> pursuing citizenship because he's... That coincides a lot with uh, something that Logan was saying last time about the uh, about a lot of people who... They put the time in, yeah. but because of the way that the system kind of was, it kind of... It's basically in Europe, if you're not white, 
a lot of the times, unfortunately, they the government isn't very helpful in helping you get citizenship if you don't already have it. Mm. Especially countries that don't have like blood right laws like America does, which not saying that it's good or bad, but in Germany, for example, just because you are born on German soil doesn't mean that you're a German citizen. Whereas in America, that is mm-hmm. the case. I thought they did have uh, like a soil. Uh, no, unfortunately. So, for example, that was a big. No, that was a big political issue, especially in Saxony during um, the Syrian migration into Europe after the Syrian civil war. And especially in mm-hmm. parts of Germany, there were a lot of Syrian women who gave birth to children. Um, I don't have any like concrete examples I can give, but I know like not it might not have been in Germany, but there was a lot of hysteria and fear that like, oh, all of these immigrants are going to come in. And that was like stirred by a lot of racism that I saw in Saxony, which is, you know, poor, impoverished former East Germany. That's, you know, still hasn't really reeducated itself after um World War II and the Nazi period. It's, it has a much different history and like kind of culture than West Germany does. So I yeah, saw a I lot remember of that. You talking about that. Um, just like different kind of closed mindedness than we saw in yeah. Austria, which is just like, mm-hmm. you know, small community, rural closed mindedness versus poor, impoverished city, racist closed mindedness that is just like. It's interesting, but sad, and I could go on and on about that, but um, it was just much different to see all of these people groups living together in Leipzig, because when I first moved there, I initially moved to a neighborhood called Eisenbahnstraße. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, actually. I was going to kind of segue. (laughs) I was planning on segueing my questions about (laughs) Leipzig to... uh, the topic of Eisenbahnstraße. So I want to say, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can you can take it away. Honestly, it's it's uh, so when you Google, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm clutching yeah. my pearls. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's a very interesting area. Um, yeah, it's notorious because like before I moved in there, it like if you Google it, you'll see like most dangerous street in all of Germany. That's probably a news article that you'll see because. Um, after the German reunification, there was a lot of crime in Eisenbahnstraße because it is a, uh, it's in the east of Leipzig, and that's where a lot of immigrants would move. And also, um, it was lower income housing. A lot of it was still like needed to be refurbished and rebuilt from the Soviet area, um, and also just like not being main well like as well funded and maintained as like you know, West German buildings were. That was just, you know, the case at the time. And so um, mm-hmm. there was a lot of gang, like gang violence and there was like eventually a gun battle, <laughs> you know, which is rare in Germany, but, you know, it's unfortunately common here in the United States. Um, so it was like a big deal over there. And there was like a police station that was built on the neighborhood itself on the street where they like were 24-7, which was weird for Germany. They aren't used to that. Um, Mm. so it had this kind of like infamous notoriety for a while, but when I, what was your experience living there? Yeah, it was, um, safe. Honestly, I felt like it was safer than where I live now in Columbus. Um, it was mostly a like multicultural, multi-ethnic neighborhood, 
Um, one recent documentary I watched when I was living there, someone claimed, and this was a documentary like talking about how it is now or how it was then after it had the kind of infamy of being the most dangerous street in Germany because it's just mm -hmm. kind of like racism spurred from the off day or the like far right German extremist party, which is very anti-Islamic. And the thing about Eisenbahnstraße is it's predominantly a Turkish and Syrian neighborhood rather than German. There are a lot of German, like East German students and youth that do live there amongst other nationalities. Like um, there's a lot of Albanians, there's a lot of um, Serbians as well. Um, there's like Eastern Europeans from all over um, the Balkans and through like Southern Europe as well. Um, just like everybody who's coming from impoverished so-called second world countries trying to get a start in Germany, getting, you know, low, low, cheaper income housing in the east of Germany in, in Leipzig because it was cheaper because it wasn't as good or like as new as West German housing. It's still kind of lacking in that Soviet era. Um, but it's like I lived over there and it's still nice. So it's not like falling apart or anything. It's just, you know, how accessible it is. Yeah. To people, especially if they don't have citizenship and they don't have a lot of the rights that German citizens do. So that's kind of the just like it, I saw like the blatant wealth inequality between when I lived on Eisenbahnstraße in the east of Germany. And then when I moved on the west side and kind of like the hippy dippy um, white mm -hmm. German area where there was mostly like German students from West Germany. It was much different vibe than when I lived on the Eisenbahnstraße. But overall, I will say that some of the friendliest people I met were on Eisenbahnstraße. Um, my neighbors like knew my name, which they would like greet me. And uh, my favorite restaurant was there. The owner like called me brother in German every time I walked in. And like one time I was with my friend and they accidentally ordered the wrong sandwich because they didn't speak German and I tried to explain and return it and I was like, oh, I'll still pay you for the sandwich. Like, I just want a different one. And he refused to take my money, gave me that sandwich and another one for free. It was just like so kind because I ate there so often and like supported his business. He was just like, yeah, I like, I, I, you know, things happen and he just wanted to make sure that we were fed. So the hospitality. It was yeah. like, yeah, like, just the trust and warmness that I experienced mm -hmm. in that neighborhood was much different than anything I've seen in Columbus or even in the west of Leipzig. It's kind of interesting, too, because I hear a lot of people talk about, and it's one of my fears about moving back over to Europe, is that I'm used to, I'm used to being in, in West Virginia, and <clears throat> I'm used to being in, in, I'd even say in Columbus and in Ohio, where you have this kind of, um, now I know... I'm not talking about like just the sense of community, but just the way that people interact with each other is I'd say fairly warm here. It's kind of, um, I don't know. It's, it's almost Southern. It's like, it's that Midwest sort of, um, Midwestern hospitality. Like, yeah. Yeah. Almost and like warmness heaven. to each other. And I feel, I, yeah, I think there's kind of, uh, people, people in Europe or it's it's kind of it's a little different it's not as well known for people being so like warm and friendly and uh especially Germany that way. <laughs> yeah especially cool yeah 
It was um, crazy. What I will say about like living there and being in that multicultural community and having so many friends from different countries and like studying history in German and like kind of having that challenge. The main thing, even though that I didn't turn in all my credits, the main thing I really thought that I gained was being able to like be open to trying to understand people from different communities, cultures and languages and like what they were trying to express and get across to me and be as open as I could to because like not everybody I met spoke English as their mother language or even could speak English. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'd have to communicate through German as best as I could, but just like being open both ways, like them trying to express themselves as um, openly and truthfully and honestly as possible and being willing to accept that expression of like what they're trying to like, even like, you know, gestures like the sandwich or um, just like nonverbal gestures or like, you know, just that nod or like that yeah, acknowledgement like you get warmness. from your neighbor or your your grocer when you go to the supermarket and he knows you because you've been going to the same store daily for like six months. And so you don't really have a conversation, but it's just the acknowledgement that you're a part that of the community. you're like a person. Yeah, yeah. Standing in like front of they it. know that yeah. you exist and they recognize you. It's like yeah. everybody everybody had that like little hustle and bustle because it's, you know, Leipzig is a huge city, almost as large as Columbus, but there was still that base level of humanity when it came to everybody trying to understand each other. So that's really yeah. what I think is important about being open and living in a multicultural community is trying to not just like trying to understand other people and being open to it, but like also when you're learning and taking stuff in, showing stuff about your own culture as well is good. Yeah. But, you know, it goes both ways. You you have to find someone who is as open and responsive as you are. And most people yeah. over there are just because like that's a fact of life. When you live with a bunch of people from all over the world, you've got to you have there has to be social cohesion there has to be order and people will check each other and give each other a stern look if there's not (laughs) that's a that to me is um i know you have that elsewhere in the world obviously but to me that is a there's a very german association with the stern look at um (laughs) someone like acting a fool publicly (laughs) um and i but i think it's a good thing you know like holding each other accountable as like as as people working together to make leipzig leipzig you know or like to make whatever city into the city you want it to be that's great dude (laughs) absolutely yeah like and you know what sorry i was just gonna say um with this experience of you going to leipzig and and having this separate experience for two semesters and coming back and when you were talking about how during the pandemic, everything just kind of like fell apart in terms of the world falling apart, but then like the whole academic thing. But you're kind of reinforcing our ideas that we've talked about a lot in the past about sort of like going and like, I think a lot of times people need like a reason to go, right? Your reason for going was going to school and doing the Leipzig program and and you get to have these credits. But at the end of the day, you you had this experience and you went out and you um, 
you had like a lot of really hard times and you had um, a lot of probably a lot of really good times. And oh, yeah. I mean, that was like the value in it. It was the stuff that you couldn't really expect. You couldn't really anticipate. Like you had that sort of like reason that got you there. But like genuinely the 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 reason why you look back on it, I mean, the way that you do is is because of um you know, just the general experience that you had there, not the mm-hmm. not what you got out of it, like the yeah. monetary gain that you got out of it. And or even like the academic gain, like, oh look, yeah, I got yeah. these like I have these four or these not four, but I have all these courses certified that I was there and I learned this and I did everything correctly. You know, I think more mm-hmm. about like all the friends I made and the time I spent with them and the stories that I learned in class and kind of how I can kind of regurgitate that in a manner that everybody else can absorb and is also entertaining so that you can learn. Not not saying that like, you know, I'm an authority or anything, but I want to be able to provide my experiences and what I've learned in a way that other people can enjoy and absorb that isn't, you know, as challenging or comprehensive or intense or um detailed as the ways that i had to learn it i you know not everything has to be a race not everybody has to do um the 100 yard dash to the sprint like to the finish line you can right. sometimes it's chill to take the lazy river and watch the movie play on the projector and just kind of chill so me being able to regurgitate all those experiences and like provide them in a way that other people can learn from and enjoy is what I think is much more valuable than any course credit. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. you mentioned uh, your friends that you made there as, you know, part of the, that true value of what you got out of your experience in Leipzig. And I know you've talked a lot about the, uh, like just how multicultural um, and big the city is. And you, I know you said it's uh, almost as big as Columbus. It's probably a lot denser if I had to guess population wise. Oh yeah. Um, so, and so, you know, you're bump, <laughs> practically bumping into all these people. Um, I mean, and, and without, as you say, sort of the cushioning that we had of on the Salzburg program, um, having 19 fellow Ohio University students and um, kind of our, our safe uh, uh, Ohio University courses, essentially, um, just transplanted into Salzburg yeah mm-hmm. I didn't have I didn't have the uh, the training rails up when you're you know chucking the bowling alley bowling ball down the alley as much that's right. kind of in in Salzburg <laughs> yeah. we had some sort of direction and our, our professor Nick was our shepherd he guided us throughout the whole process but right in Leipzig I was just kind of cast into the ocean I had to figure it out but that's <laughs> not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing it was just kind of like the experience that I chose and went on. And your classes were curated for German students, not a bunch of uh, <laughs> yeah, they were made uh, dummy for... Ohio kids. <laughs> yeah, I felt I felt kind of like the I think the what struck me first is when I started courses is just how humbled I was immediately of just the vast intelligence of all the students that I was with, not just German students, but all the different international students as well. When they were in the German courses Mm -hmm. I was in, like I, it was weird because the expectations that the professors laid on me as an American were like less than they had for the German students, which I appreciated, but I kind of like 
It was like, hmm, I want the challenge, you know? Yeah, yeah. you must resent because, it. A little. Yeah, I was like, I kind of wish that they treated me like the Germans because I wanted them, I wanted to, to like improve myself in my grammar sure. and like how I did academically. And so um, just like being intimidated by that academic prowess that I saw in like trying to um, keep up with like the course materials and what was going on um, was really difficult, but it was really nice when I started to like talk to my classmates and become friends with them so that we could learn because a lot of them were also foreigners and like didn't speak German as a foreign language. So we would kind of like learn the course material together and help us like pass the courses kind of. So that kind of, that leads me into my next question as far as your experience uh, in this, this uh, the experience without guardrails or cushioning. Like, so academically it was challenging. What about uh, making friends and everything? I know f- for us it was sort of easy because we had this, again, this group of 19 people in Salzburg and then we <laughs> would just sort of like absorb um, like an, an other people into our group and it was really easy to make friends, I guess. Um, how, how was the experience for you in Leipzig out on your own? Um, I would say it was much different because, because when I was in Salzburg, I at least had you guys to kind of like have that, you know, that recharge, that social recharge, that cultural recharge when I could come back to you and we would understand each other, have that like knowing glance we had each other's sense of humor, each other's knowledge. So it was like really kind of, we were together as a unit, as like a cultural group in um, Salzburg. So we were kind of like, we had each other at mm-hmm. least, but in Leipzig, I was just kind of like alone in the ocean and it was difficult for me to kind of navigate my way through how other cultures approach how they make friends and kind of like their social norms and their nuances and um, nonverbal communication. One of my friends in particular that I became really close with um, is Finnish and his name is Riku. Um, and he, Finns notorious are very quiet and closed um, and humble people. Um, so they're just like very shy and like don't go they're not like outwardly expressive and loud like Americans are um but him and I spending time with each other was really cool because he was a like a philosophy student um and so we had some course overlap um and our idea of hanging out was not to go to like a um a concert or like a zoo or like any sort of event, but we would just go to each other's apartment, make a dinner um, and then get like a bottle of wine or two and sit at a table and like just chain smoke cigarettes and drink <laughs> and then just discuss anything. Um, yeah. And that was like our, our go-to was just like chilling and intellectual stimulation with each other, just like relaxing in a stimulating environment and kind of like, you know, learning from each other instead of like going to a big group event where you like, we were still like, you know, getting sloshed, drinking, you know, two liter <laughs> bottles of wine a night. Uh, it was still college. <laughs> yeah, it's still college. So it wasn't like, you know, always highbrow, but mm-hmm. it was still like, it wasn't that far fetched from going to a loud bar and talking to yeah. a bunch of people. It was still that like, that um social 
um, connection and just like growth and learning from each other and being open um, because I learned a lot about Finland and Finnish culture and I'm sure that I tried my best to explain Midwestern culture and Americans to him and I feel like he maybe isn't as confused to our um, flamboyant nature. <laughs> I I have faith that you did a good job explaining. <laughs> I tried I don't my know best. That I would do so well. Yeah. What my is my main thing yeah. <laughs> that I tried to bring as a Midwesterner um, to Europe was teaching people how to make chili. Um, yes. And, you know, Absolutely. all sorts of kinds. So, like, I taught, for example, I had um, um, at OU, you for me. example, I had a Buddhist friend who didn't eat beef, so I taught him how to make it with pork. I had... Um, Muslim friends in Leipzig who I taught how to make chili with lamb or veal. I taught some of my French friends how to make it with beef. Um, and just like different ways of, you know, adjusting my Midwestern recipe to accommodate people from different cultures because not everybody eats the same thing, but being able to share what I know and what's home to me with other people in my own way, <laughs> yeah. in a way that they'll be able to understand it and appreciate it. So wow. it's not, uh, not everything has to be hardline <laughs> traditional to like show where you are from and who you are. You can tinker yeah. with stuff a little bit. And that's like the whole yeah. process of being open. You, there has to that's be, those... it goes both ways, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's where chili yeah. I'm sure comes from as well as a blending of like, you know, originally I'm sure like Mexican and like South Southwest American and, Oh I mean, yeah, and then even we have different variations of chili. I, Dude, what a I love. I remember the when chili like, <laughs> metaphor. It's when great. I first made chili for my friends, it was funny because um, Europeans are not as used to spicy food as we Americans right. are with our like hot sauce addiction and chugging down habaneros and you know boot jalokia, grim reaper peppers and all that jazz <laughs> yeah. um, and like carolina reapers that we have now that are like pepper spray peppers i don't know why we do all that it's madness um they're just not used to that so when i made it the first time my spanish friend leo had heard of it because it's originally a spanish recipe that was brought to mexico and that's where like a lot of the beans and stuff like you said was added in um and so she was like oh yeah i know chili con carne like that's the, the mm. she thought of like the Spanish version, like the pre, like the the proto chili, um, old world but, chili, yeah, old world <laughs> chili. <laughs> and so when I Dude, made this it, is so I, cool. I didn't I didn't express to her that oh, when I make chili, I don't just put you know the tomatoes and the parsley mm -hmm. and the basil and all the spices and stuff. I put habaneros and serranos and jalapenos in my chili. I don't mess around. I make it good and spicy. Um, yeah, you just have to have a good balance between heat and um, fiber, <laughs> so you don't, you know, right. burn a burn a hole through your intestinal wall. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, I expressed to them. I know. I said, like, you know, this is American spicy, so prepare yourself. Um, and I guess they didn't really, you know, they had never really been exposed to that level of heat. They had had like they sell. They sell habaneros and jalapenos in Germany, but, you know, not a lot of people use them unless you're crazy American like me. Um, and so my one Spanish friend cried eating it. Both of my French friends cried, but 
one of them finished it and he was crying the whole time just because it was so hot. My Finnish friend ate half the bowl mm. and then refused to eat anymore because it was too hot. Uh, and then my English friend just ate it because he was a garbage disposal. And he, like, honestly, English people will eat anything. <laughs> like, I, that's, I, they, like, that explains their national cuisine. They will eat dirt, if you say. <laughs> like, Beans on toast. <laughs> like worms. <laughs> hey, but, but a full English, a full English, like the beans, the sausage, the eggs. No, like that's English a- breakfast is pretty good. I'll give him that. And yeah. like, honestly, it's funny because like Tolkien wrote the hobbits as English people and always wrote them as like the best oh, cooks. Yeah. But he's like crazy because English people like, no, that's like, I'll give you, they got breakfast and brunch, but like any lunch or dinner now it's either fish and chips or just like some boiled variation of meat you need to put some spices in your food they're just used to drinking their watery soup you need to put some habaneros in that and get some you get your blood flowing dude get that sweat on (laughs) i remember uh i went i i actually forget sometimes i conflate stories um between like greece and and my second trip to like austria but i think it was in greece i was getting um, or no, no, I think it was Austria. I was getting a Döner kebab and you could get like the, the chili flocken, the chili flakes. Um, or it was something like that. Anyways, it might've been in Greece, but there was like a spicy option on the menu and I was like, Oh, I'll get the spicy, you know? And someone like someone with me was like, Oh, that's no, you don't want to do that. Like that's spicy. Like it'll, it'll hurt. And I was like, I think I'll be okay. And I swear it was like, it was, I think it was literally like paprika or something. Like I'm not even, I'm not even trying to be, you know, it's, I know exactly (laughs) what you're talking about. I had a very similar experience on Eisenbahnstrasse when I lived there because Mm -hmm. being a predominantly Turkish and Syrian neighborhood, there was a lot of kebab laden, kebab stores. Um, And so me, a white man looking, yeah. Me, a, a white man with a long hair and a beard looking like Jesus, would go into these kebab stores all the time, get the spicy kebab, and ask them for the pepper thing. Which, like you said, it wasn't too spicy. It was just like paprika, red pepper flakes, um, as well as like Greek pepperoni chilies. A lot. Like, whoa. Um, and so they would shake it on and give me like <laughs> what they deemed to be like the European, like the German spicy amount. And then they would look and glance up at me and then I'd nod my head that, you know, I want more spice. Like that's not enough. And then they'd keep shaking it and then look up again and then it would be like regularly spiced. And then I'd say, yeah, that's okay. Like they have to give me two shakes because I want it to be like good and spicy. <laughs> um, like how they make it like traditionally, um, and because like a lot of the, the customers that went in there were also Turkish and Syrian and I would see how they would order their food. And I was curious and I wanted to try it, you know, how they would do it. Um, and so they would watch me like I was a freak over the counter. I'd go and sit down and eat my like regular spicy thing and I'd be sweating a little because I'll give you like it is hot, just like chili. But like I could eat it and they were like, wow. But after doing that for like months and months of the same stores, they would just kind of like give me by default the regular spicy amount and then like that's when they knew me and they'd, i would go and they'd be like oh what's up brother like in german like hello booty every time <laughs> you they'd be like, keep. and they'd call me boss oh. they'd be like how spicy boss that was like the treatment 
<laughs> but oh my nice, I love that. Man. Dude, that's amazing. There's that's I you know, this is like a funny sort of general thing, but man, like food and cuisine and having like little home restaurants in in like wherever you're visiting is like such a great way to start to like food like, is the way to everyone's heart. Integrate. Yeah. And I think like God, I, I remember back at like some of my local spots and, and bars as well, but I'm thinking specifically of restaurants like just kind of making friends and, and sometimes even like the, the like nonverbal relationships you have where you just like nod and smile and it's like, oh, welcome back. Like good to see you again. It's been a couple yeah. of weeks like, when you go in and get some food. So I miss that, man. I love that. <laughs> I think that's where your sense of community kind of comes from is, uh, just having friendly faces around you and, and people that kind of mm. acknowledge you as a, as a person, just, I think you kind of yeah. need that. And I think, um, without that, you know, like not to kind of tie in a different subject, but you know, I work remote in Columbus, Ohio. I don't really have a place I go regularly. Yeah. And, um, I definitely miss that. I've had that my whole life. And this is the first place that I've lived where I don't have kind of, kind of regular people that I, um, I see or interact with on a day-to-day basis. It's pretty, I think it's important. It's just, it's such a simple notion, I think, but like, man. Yeah. And I mean, I can obviously relate working remote and, and being sort of, uh, I don't know the term, but just like locked, locked in by the, the automobile grid. Um, (laughs) it's in the, in the American sprawl as well. Like, it's hard to it's hard to get around and it's hard to it's it's harder here in my experience to sort of foster or um grow grow up those simple little little relationships you have with people at shops and restaurants and stuff i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know in Athens, like where where Ohio University is, that's a pretty walkable place, and I felt I felt a lot of that there. Uh, yeah, speak. That's a good segue, actually. Um, speaking of Athens, that's exactly how I feel in Columbus, just like you, Sean. I I came here because I wanted to be a part of that like big community again, like I felt in Leipzig. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I came here with the intention of like having a good social job and living in a neighborhood where everybody's like kind of knows each other, but because it's like so built around car infrastructure and you've got to drive everywhere and pay to do everything. Sprawling. No one is really interested in like hanging out and getting to know each other and like walking places around like in Athens or like in Leipzig or like in Salzburg. There's not really that as much of a tight knit community. And because of that, mm-hmm. I've just kind of gotten sick of the, you know, Columbus apathy and I'm planning to move back to Athens to, I'm not sure what I'll do, um, but I'm, I just want to like kind of regain that sense of community and be mm-hmm. around other intellectual and like-minded youth that um, I can like grow with and learn from and learn with and teach and just like mm-hmm. be a part of that, you know, community. Yeah. Yeah. I miss that feeling a lot. And you don't pass people on the street when you're getting from A to B is you stand up from your chair and then you walk to your other chair and you drive your chair down the road and then you, uh, you get what you need or you do what you're going to do. And then you walk directly back to your chair 
and then you drive back home and then you get in your chair again. And it's much if different. If yeah. you don't go like jog on a treadmill or something, then you're, you know, and it's not the same for everybody. I know some people live in like, like smaller communities or they live like downtown in a place. But I think for the vast majority of people, if you're not in these kind of, um, I think, I think in, in the U S like a lot of walkable districts, unless you're in a very small town, not as ex- not like accessible to everybody. It's not as common. Mm. It's not community friendly. Yeah, yeah. Because you know yeah. when you're like you said when you're going in your tube alone everywhere um, from point A to point B, it's a much different experience that you had that we had in Salzburg and then I had in Leipzig. Where when you get on when you got to go somewhere with your friends, you all get on the tram or the train together and you travel from point A to point B and. Whether you're quiet to respect other people or you talk amongst each other because the train's empty at night, you have that kind of like social experience and you can talk or give each other those glances and kind of like learn how to behave around other people and like coexist, you know? Yeah, it's doing that, that really does have an effect on, on your sort of like mental... And it polices everybody's totally. behavior and it like I think it makes everybody have a lot more tolerance and respect for each other when you are kind of forced to be around each other so much, not forced, Mm -hmm. but because it's not, you know, it's not made. It's, I guess it's more natural. It's more social. Mm -hmm. And there's that sense of community and policing. Yeah, man. You kind of have to like force yourself to be in that situation. I think it's like super healthy. Um, And even on the topic of, of hostels, I know that at uh, next week we're going to talk about, hostels because we named the hostel the hostel and we haven't talked about experiences in hostels yet but I do want to say that it's kind of like staying in a hostel rather than staying in a hotel and kind of forcing yourself to be like next to people it 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 might not be quite as comfortable it's not as comfortable as getting in a car and getting to play whatever music you want and and taking whatever route you want to take but I think in in the long term and and just sort of like I think there's a part of of your brain that kind of craves that no matter what. Yeah. Sort of being close to people and yeah. like human connection that um regardless of whether or not you notice it if you don't have some human interaction that feeling kind of sneaks up on you and it's, you have it's to kind exciting. of recognize it. I feel like it's almost exciting to be socially vulnerable in that way as well, to be in a new environment and to be open to like being around more strangers that you can like either you can observe and like, oh, is this like an interesting person who I want to have a conversation with or is they are they being like kind of scary, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that's that's the hostile experience vulnerable, right? It's vulnerable. And like the hostel, you're very vulnerable compared to a, a hotel where you have your own room and your own key. Right. And, and that's, that's the thing. It's, um, it's more, it's comfortable to be alone in your car and to like sing loudly or like, or whatever you do in your car, uh, like on your commute and, and to sit at home and work remote and like, um, like not interact with I, by the way, I am totally all for remote work. That's not what I'm saying here, but when when it's all oh, yeah, of this yeah. together, you step outside, there's no one on the sidewalk because you have to be crazy to walk anywhere in, in a city where, you know, you're, you're 15 minutes from the city center somehow uh, by car, <laughs> by car, <laughs> not even by foot. But um, and and yet there's nothing around you except other 
residentials. I mean, it's comfortable to be in a car, to sit at home alone. It's comfortable to leave your house and not be bumped into by people and, and to... It's, it's not exactly comfortable to be in a hostel surrounded by all these new faces and it's not exactly comfortable to be, to be on a busy street, but like, I don't think you make friends being comfortable and I'm sure Reese, you probably made a lot more friends. I would wager to guess on the, the Leipzig trip because you sort of had to, like you were pushed out of the comfort zone and, and, um, you didn't have, I I mean, outside of our group, obviously you had these, these 19 friends, but you probably made more friends with the people of Leipzig than you did like with the people of Salzburg, I would guess. Oh yeah, just all the acquaintances that I met, the different people around the different neighborhoods that I lived in who I learned about and who learned about me from being in proximity to each other, you know, shopping at the same place, riding on the same tram at the same time daily or shopping at the yeah, shop yeah, I would talk about shopping or you know, going and sitting in the park and drinking beer and smoking cigarettes with your friends at the same time. Just like youth yeah. activities, going and grilling with your friends on the Sunday and all of your apartment mates and all the people in your building go out into the courtyard and meet and you pass each other and bump into each other and say, you know, you pass your neighbor who you talk to who's 35 and has another baby on the way and him and his wife are just getting back from Croatia from vacation and you and your roommates are going to the park to have some beers and they say, oh, one second. And they go and pop in their apartment and give you a bottle of, you know, Croatian brandy that they got from vacation. And then you give them a couple beers and um, maybe like a steak for them to enjoy for dinner that you are going to cook. Um, just like that friendliness and that exchange without expecting anything, just because you like each other and being around each other so much that you are open and just like loving each other, you know, having that. Yeah openness and um you know that that warmth with each other mm-hmm. is so important i think and in columbus and a lot of sprawling suburban cities where you're kind of trapped alone in your car going from point a to b it's a lot more difficult to have that authentic experience and i think you have to kind of push into, yourself you just into don't it, yeah. bump into people at all yeah it's, it's just not it's an, part of the the daily commute you just don't you don't have the neighbor who passes you like grilling, like you kind of keep to yourself by yeah. design. Mm-hmm. And it's more difficult because you're forced to kind of like try to maintain those relationships over here as best as you can, but it's mm. not designed in a, you know, normal human social way. Like it is like, you know, we have our cities all planned and mapped out to be as efficient as possible. But in Europe, all their cities weren't really planned. They just kind of, naturally evolved and that's why the mm. roads are twisty turny you know super narrow not convenient for big trucks to move a lot of stuff but it's there's a lot of like there's stores under each apartment so when you go down from your apartment you don't need to drive 15 minutes to the walmart you can just get groceries underneath you and the grocery God. knows you and knows you by name and either you're friends or you're not and he thinks you're a dick and so you don't shop there anymore or something like that. You know, there's always like that experience and that life and that risk and just like yeah. being human. It's the social so, aspect of being in a community and like <laughs> getting along. Yeah. Yeah. Or not. And and it's, and it's, uh, it's just normalcy there. But to us Americans, it's such a romantic idea that, you know, you 
you step out of your apartment and, and on the, the, uh, the, the bottom floor, there's a little shop and there's these shops on this winding, you know, maybe cobblestone or something. And it all looks so, so human. And that's so romantic to Americans, but really it is just the, the way it's, things are. It's there, hard, I feel. You know, I feel mm. like everything is built to be as, you know, pleasing to the eye as possible so that you'll want to go into those spaces and be around each other. Um, you you want to know something as, though, is that, um, when you kind of bring this up to people, I think a lot of people are, are of the opinion, you know, I mean, not everybody wants that inherently. And I will say that, and, and I'm not saying that everybody should, should want that and everybody should want to give up what they have in America and, and do it this way or whatever. But, you know, I had this conversation with somebody, I forget what it was, but we were talking about the idea of moving to Europe because we're going to do it. And I was talking about sort of the idea of giving up having a house. It's like, if I move to Europe, there's a good chance, you know, what everybody wants in, in America and what everybody's kind of goal is, is it's like, I'm going to buy a house and I'm going to make it nice and I'm going to renovate it and I'm going to mm. have a car in the garage and I'm going to have big ass lawn, a yard <laughs> and, and I'm going to have space and I'm going to have a pool. Gotta in my get backyard. that golden retriever. I'm going to get, yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to have a pool in the backyard and, and I'm going to have like dinner parties with my friends and that's cute and that's great and that's fine. And it's like, why would I want to go to Europe and live in this big, and, and you use kind of like the buzzwords of being like crowded and I'm not going to have my yard anymore and I might not be able to have a car and I'm going to be living in an apartment. I'm going to be sharing walls with people. It's like, why would I want that? But it's kind of, I think we're sort of like dancing around why you would even want that. And, mm. and it's like the idea of the way I kind of look at it is if I have to live in an apartment for my entire life and I don't get to have a front yard and I don't get to have a, and I don't get to have a car or something. I mean, I can probably have a car and a, eventually maybe find a place to get a yard, whatever. But my point is, is that there, maybe I don't need a car to get to where I need to go. And then you have all of these little interactions that you guys were talking about that, that added this sort of richness to your life even though it was based in an inconvenience and in a discomfort. <laughs> and yeah. I may not have a car, but I get to sit in a train and listen and read a book while I have a sandwich that I got from the restaurant that's in the train and have a cappuccino with my book and look out the window at the Alps and have this kind of sort of like relaxed experience that's based in an inconvenience that is just kind of like unique to the situation and how you're talking about living above this little shop that you're a regular at because you're forced to because the housing market isn't the same over there as it is here. And, and everybody kind of wants that same dream here because it's nice to imagine having all of those things. But what you, what you don't think about is the fact that like when you have one, you're taking away the other one when you're have when, you know, the idea of going to Europe and taking away all of these things, you think, oh, I'm just losing a bunch of things, but you don't think about all yeah. the things that you're getting out of it. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I feel like you are Americans, giving up convenience. Mm-hmm. We go ahead, Reese. We are almost like tribal in a sense that we've got to have our own fort and our own like tent. You gotta you gotta set up your own hut with your family group <laughs> on your own land and have your own animals and your own car, which is your horse, your method of transportation. And you get around and you're like, you know, you're. Com- I feel like it's almost <laughs> competing with other tribal groups. Whereas yeah. when I lived in that social, you know, group where it was, we were all working together and not competing. And like, I didn't feel like it's as like neck to neck and it's more yeah. open and everybody is working together instead of against each other. That's something. I think it's really beautiful that so many people in, the, in America are kind of seeing that they're sort of seeing the appeal in that and they're kind of getting it like the younger generation. I have a lot of faith in them. Yeah. Because they're it, seeing, it really seems like people care and they, there they get is it. exponential benefits for cohesion over competition, you know, mm-hmm. and community over competition. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just nicer, man. I mean, we can go on all day about the benefits of not having to have, uh, you know, uh, the benefits of giving up some conveniencies like your own car in order to have a more social environment. Yeah. But I think beyond looking at the the end, like, benefits, it's kind of like, that's almost like a... I'll <laughs> I don't want to say it, but almost like a... It, it's almost like a, a capitalistic framing, though, because it's like, it's like, what do I gain from giving up these conveniences? But really, it's like slow down slow down (laughs) just hit the brakes and like step outside of your apartment and you're in the city and you see the park and you see you know the shop you want to go to like slow down and um maybe don't think about like is it worth (laughs) to like give up i mean i'm not saying don't think about a move to europe it's you got to put a lot of planning into that but it's not so much like that you're gaining something monetarily i mean obviously I'm not going to have to worry about like car insurance or something like that. <laughs> um, but, but you will have like a, uh, you know, train pass. So there's that. Yeah. But and I'll say really I, it's, it's about like you said earlier, Reese, to just to cap this off the, um, like the, the lazy walk by the river or however you, you expressed it. Like sometimes it's good to just like, like, uh, in, in Mediterranean Europe, like they have the, Oh my gosh, what is it? The the Vida al Fresca. It's like the, you know, you're you're outside. You're always outside and and uh it's sort of like a cafe culture in like south of France and and um Greece and Italy. You spend hours like at dinner outside with all your friends and you're not thinking about like getting going from A to B to C or anything. It's just about sp- you're like just spending the time. You're just enjoying the time. And like as an American, I can say like, I'm always thinking about like the clock in the opposite way. Like I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. Whereas like, I don't know this notion of, um, of being inconvenienced and having to wander through the city instead of just getting straight onto the highway with my car. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to force to wander how, these how inefficient streets. It takes for you to drive to where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, like you said, when I, all the time that I spent over in Europe in Salzburg and Leipzig, you know what? I didn't have a car when I was over there. I had to take public transportation almost the entire time. The only time I didn't have to do that was when I was traveling in France with my friends, Hugo and Maya, but we were borrowing a car briefly just to get from one point of our stretch 
and um, we borrowed a car from Hugo's family. But that was the only time that we used a car was um, when we were, you know, vacationing in our friend's home country at home. Other than that, yeah. I used public transportation the entire time. It was efficient. It was cheap. The only thing I will say is Deutschbahn, get it together. Um, <laughs> for Germans, I expect you to be more punctual. You were almost never on time, Deutschbahn. Get it together. But, <laughs> you know... Public transportation is not only cheap, but reliable. And you are stuck in a tube with other people, so you need to learn how to get along as well. And they have that, you know, community and policing and, you know, you got each other's backs. So we all get along in the train together because we're all stuck together because we're doing it every day. And so there's, there's, I guess, more warmness, even though that you don't have to say it out loud. Not everybody has to bump into each other and say, hey, pal, how you doing? Oh, I'm fantastic. There's just the, <laughs> you know, everybody is enjoying each other's presence and mm -hmm. the silence mm -hmm. together on the train of just the peace and the cohesion, you know, and because it's just a nice day. Stars for <laughs> social interaction, actually. Will you please talk to me? Please. <laughs> I've been locked inside <laughs> all day. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. But even like like you said, it's different over there because you know Germans are seen as cold, but they're around each other so much. It's different that you know they're around each other so much. They have that nonverbal communication, and they don't have to talk and express to each other like "I like you." They have their own yeah. ways, and there are different ways of communicating that. And wow. It takes a while to learn how to understand how they have their gestures, but they do it once you get to That's be friends and you get to know them. Of course, dude. Yeah, yeah because uh, as, like, Americans, like, I don't... <laughs> you guys live in Columbus. Both of you do. And you, yeah. I mean, you have to go out of your way to freaking see each other. So it's like, yeah, you see each other, and it's like this big event. You bump into each other. My God, that would be huge <laughs> by mistake. Like... But you bump into, you know, people every day in, in that sort of it's environment. Your so neighbors it's, on the train that you ride with every day, you know you huh. know them, you speak to them all the time, but you don't have to speak to them every day. And you just give each other, you know, it might even be a stranger that you don't, that you've never spoken to, but you see them on the train every day and suddenly they're no longer a stranger and you give each other, you know, that knowing glance of acknowledgement of you're a fellow passenger who's sharing this space with me. And so we both have to behave. That's such an interesting observation I have never considered before. Wow. It's just that yeah. kind of like, you know, social glue and warmth of, you know, in Germans in their own way, not even having to say a single word. You know, they it's the same people you ride with every day. They sit next to you and you need to get up. You don't even say, excuse me. You just kind of grunt and then <laughs> sit up a little bit and they will step away and move to the side so that you can get out of your seat. You don't even have to ask. There's just that amount of, you know, notice and respect that everybody gives each other that we don't see as much over here because we don't have that social connection and that policing and that love and embrace. It's a lot more rare here unless you're in a, you know, tight-knit, walkable, or, you know, really small community. Yeah. Wow. I say we we didn't get much into like any uh, greater historical topics, and maybe we can save that for another visit. Uh, yeah, but I Varese, think so. I, I 
I mean, this this has been a great conversation, I guess. I didn't know even what to expect going in. I mean, other than we talk all the time, but <laughs> I guess <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting the conversation to be like this, but it's been a real, real pleasure. For me, me too. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm always down to talk about what I've learned and what I've, you know, gained from other people who I've been a part of and with in, you know, my community and the communities I've lived in and what I've given and gained from other people. So if I can, you know, share that with other people and you guys, even though I talk to you all the time, always down to do that. And, um, <laughs> you know, always down to learn from you guys as well, because there's, you know, every time we talk about this stuff, I see your perspective that I haven't seen before and like kind of what you guys have seen in Columbus or in Oklahoma or whatever you're up to. I, I get a chance to reflect and see like how your experiences relate to the ones that I've had as well. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think, I think it'd be really great if you could come back on and, and share your perspective. Yes. And I mean, I know that you're just a, a vast well of historic knowledge anyway. And we didn't even get to see that from you this time. Yeah. But I'm, I'm really happy about it. I think, I think I'm, I'm happier to talk about this having you on for your first time. I think it kind of, you know, is important to speak from the heart a little bit more. Oh, yeah. You know, learning is not, you don't always have to hit every detail and take notes down about every single, you know, blemish and scratch that there is in the world. Sometimes the bigger picture is more important to take part of. And, you know, I really appreciate you guys inviting me to do this with you because, like you said, I didn't really get into what I'm really passionate and know a lot about the detailed history and the guts and gore of what life is about. But, you know, being welcome on here and sharing my experiences and like continuing to be on here is like what it's all about. So thank you. I'd totally yeah, be down to continue um, getting into all <laughs> that gruesome details and stuff in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, keep them, keep them saved and locked away and, and we'll bring them up next time. And I'm sure we have a lot more to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I might've come up with a topic for a future Reese visit, but I'll save that. Um, if you ever go to Europe, <laughs> eat a kebab. Yeah. get a donut. If you don't eat a kebab before you leave, you've failed. Go get a kebab. <laughs> get a, get a get kebab. A freaking kebab. It's a requirement. <laughs> That's my only requirement. <laughs> all right well then we'll see you guys next week i appreciate you guys coming in if you've if you've stuck it out this long i know that um we've been dragging them out a little bit longer than usual but if you've uh if you've been here this long then i really appreciate it yeah and we'll see you guys next week i hope you guys have a good rest of your evening and uh yeah i'll see you later see you next week everybody thanks again guys see you later 